I'm a local loan officer in West Palm Beach, Florida. I've been in the mortgage industry for the last eight years. I've worked in the industry throughout the country. I've closed over a thousand loans during my career, so I've seen it all. I'm on a mission to make mortgages both entertaining and educational. Welcome to Lending with Leah. This is the podcast for anyone thinking about potentially owning in the process of buying or already owns their own home. always have to do that. (laughs) So today you guys get just me again. We've had some guests for the last three episodes, but today just for scheduling purposes and my own ease sake and trying to manage everything, you get just me. So yay. I hope you like the sound of my voice because it's what you're going to be hearing for the next 20 to 30 minutes. (laughs) Today's episode, I'm going to go into different property types and what that financing looks like for different property types. Because you guys may not know, I know I get a lot of clients who reach out to me and they'll be like, oh, I really want to buy a condo. I want to buy a townhome. I want to buy a manufactured home or a single family home or a duplex or a triplex. And they don't know that there's different nuances that come with each type of property that you're looking to purchase. So today we're really going to go into detail on all of that. And before we do, I always like to start these episodes off with a little bit of a personal story or a little like kind of get to know me. So I'm going to go into property types and as far as where I've lived and the different types of properties that I've lived in. Growing up, and I'm honestly, I think when I was born, I've always been in a single family home. So growing up, my parents had a first floor single family home. And after a couple years, I think by the time I was four, yeah, I would say four, we moved into another single family home, but this one was a two story. Great thing about a two story. I mean, you have the stairs you got to go up. So keeps you a little more physically active. But the other fun thing about a two-story, especially when you're a kid or as an adult, because I would definitely do this as an adult still. So we had stairs and my mom and dad had this old like 90s couch. And instead of it being multiple couch cushions, it was one big long couch cushion. So my sister and I decided we were going to come up with this thing called sofa surfing. So we would take the couch cushion off of the, the couch, go up to the top of the stairs, and we would sit on this sofa cushion, and we would slide down the stairs into the wall. Sofa surfing. <laughs> That's one of my favorite parts about having and living in a two-story home. I also really like single-family homes just because I don't like... I, I hate to say I don't like neighbors. I do like my neighbors, but I don't at the same time, if that makes sense. And you don't have to share walls. You got a little bit of space usually between you and your neighbors. So at least to me, it feels like there's a little bit more privacy. You can play your music a lot louder. Most of the time, you're going to have a yard too. So I've grown up in Arizona and then now living in Florida. It's hot. You know, so it's nice to be able to have space for a pool or kind of like a little backyard 
paradise. That's why I like single family homes. Now, I didn't always live in a single family home. When I was growing up and then decided to go off to college, I did the whole dorm room experience thing for a semester. And even though that doesn't really fall into today's episode or property types, because let's face it, you cannot get a mortgage on a dorm room. But needless to say, the dorm room that I lived in was actually, it was awful. You know, it wasn't where, I've seen dorms where you you have a room and then maybe another room and then you have four girls sharing a bathroom. No. The dorm I lived in, you had your little shoebox room that you shared with one or two other girls and there wasn't a private bathroom. There was a communal bathroom for the whole floor. So anytime you needed to go to the bathroom or take a shower, you had to grab your stuff, your little like bath tray, and you had to walk down the hall. And mind you to the dorm I went to and stayed in my first semester of college was also co-ed. So we had guys on the floor too. So you're like walking to the shower with your little towel, holding your little, you know, soapbox, shampoo box, whatever you want to call it. And there's just, there's guys everywhere and girls and you're like, excuse me, I'm naked, but let me just squeeze past you. And then there was always, you know, hairballs in the shower and you had to wear your flip-flops because it was just gross. I only did it for a semester. Don't recommend. I really don't. I mean, some people like dorm life. It just wasn't for me. And after dorm life for one semester, when I decided to come back home, I was ready to move out on my own. Now, at this time, I was not purchasing a home, but I did want to rent something. I didn't want to go back to living with my mom and my dad. So me and my ex-husband, who was boyfriend at the time, and my cousin all decided we were going to move out together and be roommates, and we decided to get a duplex, or we rented a little duplex out in Arizona. We were so excited like this was our first place you know we really have our own little space and area except when you're first moving out on your own and you're not making a lot of money you may not be living in the greatest area I should say so we were living in the get to like the ghetto ghetto (laughs) to the point where there was one night and my ex-husband wasn't there he was work something like that and it was just me and my cousin we decided we were gonna have a little board game night just hang out and so we're sitting in the living room we're playing games and we hear from outside I mean it literally sounds like come come out with your hands up We've got the plate surrounded and we're hearing this on like a megaphone. And so her and I are going, you know, what on earth is going on? So of course we're nosy and we have to go outside. So we step outside of our little duplex and just two duplexes down. Cause we, we lived in a duplex that was on a cul-de-sac of duplexes. So, so just a couple of duplexes down from us, 
there are undercover cops everywhere in the cul-de-sac. I mean, everywhere. And there's cops, and they're in, like, tank tops and shorts and flip-flops with their gun on the holster. I mean, just, like, like something out of a movie. And so, of course, naturally, we're watching. What, like, why would we go back inside where it's safer? No, we're going to, we want to see what's going on. So we're, we're standing out there. Our neighbor, who we shared a wall with, came out, and we're all just chit-chatting and talking and watching the cops. Well, a couple of these houses down, and the cops start throwing off flash grenades into the home. They bring in the canine unit. And then by the end of the night, there's three or four guys handcuffed sitting on the sidewalk. There's also this lady who's, like, feeding them food and giving them soda. To j- it was just a weird, weird situation. But, again, I guess that's what that's what happens when you, when you choose to live in certain <laughs> spaces and areas. But we were still, we were so proud of it like that was our first place and even though maybe it wasn't the safest place we were still really proud of it and after the duplex that's when I ended up moving to North Carolina that's where I bought my first house and the first house that I bought was a single family home a little three two out in North Carolina in Charlotte and the process was fairly easy mortgage wise for a single family home. And I'll go through today for you guys all the different property types, the nuances of them. But I definitely think that between all the property types, a single family home is going to be your easiest type of property to finance. And I'll go over why that is a little bit later. But I loved it. I my property there actually had a decent chunk of land on top of it, so the homes weren't so stacked right on top of one another. We had a little hammock out in the backyard. I had some trees. It was nice. Like I really, really enjoyed my, my time there at that home. And when I left Charlotte and came here to Florida, well, I didn't want to buy right away. It was a big move. I'm like, oh, let me just kind of get used to the area. Let me rent out my home up in, up in Charlotte. And came down to Florida and decided to get an apartment. So an apartment is going to be very, very similar to a condo. Now, an apartment, you can't purchase. An apartment is just for rent. But a condo is the same type of living, but something you can actually purchase. Personally, I did not, I did not care to be in an apartment. No. (laughs) I love listening to music. I mean, even today, like when I was getting ready to come here, I had my speakers going and I'm dancing and this and that. And the first time I tried to do that in my apartment, my neighbor took a broom and like hit the ceiling because I was on the top floor. So I guess her ceiling my floor to be quiet. So I always had to keep my music at a reasonable level. It's just I don't know. And you're so close to your neighbors and you can hear everything. And it just wasn't quite for me. 
the different apartment Eric complexes that I lived at, one in Sarasota, one over here in West Palm Beach. Very nice. Never had any issues. Just personally, not quite my cup of tea. And when I moved to West Palm Beach and then that lease expired, that's finally when I actually bought my home here. And I did buy, again, a single family home. Absolutely love it. I've got some space. Uh, I Like for me, I don't have an HOA, so I actually have a chicken coop on my property. I had chickens for a little while and I just, just a little while because yeah, chickens are a lot harder to deal with than you think they are like there's they're kind of glamorized a little bit at least it was for me I was like oh my gosh I can have a chicken I can have my own eggs this is so nice until you're shoveling shit and I mean piles of shit (laughs) so (laughs) chickens were not for me my neighbor actually asked if she could take them from me and I was like go for it they're all yours (laughs) But that's kind of the nice thing about having a, a single family home, in my my opinion, is that you can have things like that. I mean, I guess technically you could have chickens in a condo or an apartment too, but may not be the most sanitary thing. And I don't, don't know how much your neighbors would like that. And that's a little bit about me and kind of some of the different properties that I've lived in and experienced as time has gone on. And so now I'm going to actually get into the piece for you guys where we're talking about the financing and the financing and what that looks like in terms of getting a mortgage for a specific type of property that you're looking to get. So the first one, I'm going to go over my favorite and what I think is the easiest, and that is single family homes. And there's actually two categories here of single family homes. So the first one is going to be detached single-family homes. What do I mean by detached? It just means that you are not sharing any walls with any neighbors or any other properties. One of the reasons why I really like single-family homes and find it the easiest is because you can do all loan types, all loan types, conventional, FHA, VA, USDA, non-qualified mortgages, hard money loans, like, I mean, you just, like, an endless supply of different types of loans that qualify for these properties. It's also considered to be the less risky property type, and when I talk in terms of risk, I'm talking more in terms of interest rate. Your interest rate is all kind of based on a risk factor. The greater risk that your particular profile presents, the higher your interest rate tends to be, or the higher your uh, associated fees, which are technically called discount points are that are associated with the rate. So you get the best pricing for your interest rate when you're getting a single family home versus different types of properties. So you're also going to get a better rate, better fees when purchasing a single family home. And when it comes to single family homes, you have the option. Some are going to have HOA dues and some are not. And if you don't know what HOA stands for, that's gonna be Homeowners Association. Me personally, 
I don't like them. Uh, to me, I'm like, I feel like I'm paying you to tell me what I can and can't do with the property that I own. But other people love them. You know, one of the things that HOAs are really good for is it does kind of help keep your neighbors in line as far as curb appeal, right? You know, is your lawn taken care of? You don't have a bunch of trash sitting outside. So HOAs are really good, I think, for property upkeep and neighborhood upkeep. And there's some HOAs that have really cool community centers too. So there's some here in Florida where even though they're single family homes, you might have a community pool, a jacuzzi. I've seen some that have gyms, some that even like teach classes in their gyms. So you can really with a single family home, if you're looking for a certain type of lifestyle, you, you can find that and you kind of have that luxury of looking around. And if you don't want any of that, like me, I don't want to pay an HOA, then there's definitely communities and properties that don't have those HOA dues as well. Now, one of the downsides, and again, one of the downsides to single family homes is that your homeowner's insurance is going to be more expensive. Reason for that, you're just, you're covering more, right? You have a whole physical structure of building that you are responsible for. So you're covering not only the physical structure in the building, but then everything inside the home as well. Now, homeowner's insurance, and I'm going to talk specifically on Florida for just a second. So anyone listening outside of Florida, this does not really matter for you guys. But in Florida, Florida is really particular when it comes to homeowner's insurance. And different counties in different areas in Florida are going to vary quite substantially in terms of cost for homeowner's insurance. So for example, Palm Beach, Broward, and Miami-Dade County, these are going to make up kind of the southeast of Florida. These counties are the most expensive in the country for homeowner's insurance. For example, when I'm doing a pre-approval for a client, if they're looking for a single family home in any of these three counties, personally, no matter the price of the home, I usually do not estimate anything less than 350 per month. I'm usually estimating 350 per month or higher for homeowner's insurance. A lot of people think that's because of hurricanes, and it's not. It's actually not. It's because of insurance fraud. Because insurance fraud is so prevalent in these three counties. There's so many carriers that actually stopped writing insurance policies in these counties. So the couple that do kind of monopolize the, the area. And, you know, where this comes into play when you're looking to get a mortgage is that the higher your homeowner's insurance, the less room you have in your debt-to-income ratio or what you can qualify for for a higher mortgage payment, meaning a higher principal and interest portion of your payment. Same with HOA dues. I forgot to mention that, but HOA dues will eat into your debt-to-income ratio and eat into how much you can qualify for like nobody's business. There's not an exact 
math to it, but usually when I'm talking to my clients, if we pre-approve them for a single family home with no HOA dues, and then they want to find something with HOA dues, kind of the general rule of thumb that I give them is that for every $50 per month in HOA dues, take off about $10,000 in your purchase price. So if someone's qualifying for a $300,000 mortgage and they find something, and that let's say that $300,000 back up, not a $300,000 mortgage, a $300,000 purchase price, wow, <laughs> with no HOA dues. Now let's say they find a home that they love and it's got HOA dues at $300 per month. Well, take 50 divided into 300, that's six. And so six times 10,000 is 60,000. So that $300,000 home that they qualified for with no HOA dues, now drop that to about 240,000 if you add HOA dues of 300 a month. So this is where it does get a little bit trickier with single family homes. Same thing goes into play with homeowners insurance, right? The higher your homeowners insurance, the higher your property taxes, the higher your HOA dues, the more that's going to eat into what you can actually qualify for in terms of a purchase price and a loan amount. Now, I had said single family home, and originally I said detached. But did you know there is also technically attached single family homes, or more commonly known as townhomes? And that's right, townhomes are actually single-family homes. Um, word of caution here, be careful because sometimes something will, or a neighborhood or a home, will actually look like a townhome. However, if you go to that county site, uh, usually a property appraiser for that county, sometimes, even though it technically is a townhome, it may be coded as a condo. I'll go over condos in a little bit, but condos are going to be very, very different than townhomes. So something to keep in mind if you are searching and you see a townhome, anyone can cop, anyone can hop on a property appraiser site. You do not have to be a lender. You do not have to be a real estate agent to do that. And you can actually look up that info for yourself. But going back to townhomes, so again, townhomes being a single family home, you have all loan types that are going to work for this type of property. So that's gonna be your FHA, conventional, VA, USDA, all those different property types work. And again, just like a detached single family home, because it is a single family home, you're going to get the best pricing in terms of your interest rate. Now, one of the things though with townhomes versus a detached single family home you will have homeowners association dues, HOA dues. There's no getting around that. You are going to have HOA dues when it comes to a townhome. So that's something I keep in mind. You know, if I have a client who's looking for a townhome, I'm gonna make sure that in their pre-approval, we're estimating HOA dues right from the get-go. One of the cool things with a townhome versus a, a detached single family, Again, you got to do a little bit of research on this. So sorry, sorry to make you guys work a little bit. But when it comes to homeowners insurance, now it 
it varies. Sometimes if you get lucky, the HOA, that homeowners association, is always going to have a master insurance policy. Oftentimes, this policy is going to cover the common areas of the association, but sometimes, some townhome communities, the HOA will actually cover the physical dwelling. What that means is that they're going to be covering the roof, the walls, everything about the structure of your home. Where this helps with your homeowner's insurance is that if there's a master insurance policy that covers the outside in the physical structure of your home, you only have to get what's called a walls-in or a HO6 policy. And the great thing about that is it's much more reduced cost for your homeowner's insurance. So for example, here in Florida, again, if we're looking at Palm Beach, Broward, or Miami-Dade County, even if you're looking out at townhomes, still going to estimate about $350 a month in homeowner's insurance unless, unless that master insurance policy covers the dwelling or the structure of the home. In those cases, I would actually use a much more reduced cost, maybe $150 a month for your homeowner's insurance. Where this helps you is, again, if you don't have to have as expensive of homeowner's insurance, that gives you more room to put things into higher HOA dues or maybe a higher loan amount, which in turn can mean a higher purchase price. Next property is condos. Now, condos, and I actually will down the road for you guys, I'll do a full episode specifically on condos because there is so much, oh, I mean, you could probably do two or three episodes just on condos alone, but here we're just going to kind of break out some of the big major points with condos. Condos are considered to be a riskier, riskier, I use air quotes there, property type. What does this mean? Well, in terms of getting a mortgage, this means that oftentimes there is going to be a little bit of a hit to your interest rate, whether that's in terms of maybe a little bit more discount points or a little bit higher of a rate. And obviously there's other factors that come into play here too, like how much are you putting down? What's your credit score? All of those other things. But really simply, if you had two buyers and buyer A is purchasing a single family home, or actually, let me change this example a little bit. Let's say it's the same buyer. Same buyer, same credit score, same purchase price, same down payment. Only difference is they're buying a single family home or they're going to buy a condo. Their interest rate for the condo is almost always going to be worse than the interest rate for the single family home. Why? Again, because it's just a little bit riskier of a property type. Now, one of the things with condos, and as soon as I have a client who tells me, Leah, I want to get a condo. Well, I know that almost right off the bat, for the most part, we're going to need to qualify for a conventional loan. Not always the case. There are some condo projects that are approved for FHA or VA financing. But truly, for the most part, it's pretty.
pretty much only conventional loans, cash, or anything in the non-qualified mortgage realm or hard money, you know, anything there, but your government loans, your VA, FHA, and USDA, almost always you cannot use those to purchase a condo. We could get into the nitty-gritty of that later. I'll do an episode on condos another time where we really talk into that more, but just know that. So what does that mean if you have to be approved for a conventional loan, let's just say, to get a condo? Well, conventional loans tend to have higher credit score requirements versus maybe a FHA or a VA loan or even USDA. So this does change as far as the qualification standards someone has to meet in order to get approved for condo versus a townhome or a detached single family home, you can do FHA and VA. Now, when it comes to condos, this is a little bit of a tricky thing. So whenever someone's getting a condo, you actually have two approvals going on at the same time. What does, what does that mean? Yeah, no one knows. <laughs> so I'll explain. Two approvals at the same time. So you're, you as a buyer have your approval, your normal loan approval that you're going through. You have to qualify for the mortgage for this particular property. But if you're purchasing a condo, now that condo project itself also has to get an approval for the loan separate from your approval. So let's say you can get approved for the loan and you can get approved for the condo, but that particular condo project cannot get approved for conventional financing. Done. You're dead in the water. There's no moving past it. So this condo approval, there's, uh, I'd say that you could have about three different outcomes when it comes to a condo approval. So you have you can get a full condo approval. Now, what does that mean? A full condo approval means that we're going to be digging into everything with the condo project. There's a big questionnaire that they have to fill out. We're gonna get into the financials, so the budget, the balance sheet. We're gonna look at the rules and regulations for the condo as well. And in order to get approval for a full review, the condo project has to be in pretty good standing in order to get approval for a full. Now, the nice part, if you're a buyer and the condo you're purchasing can get approved for a full condo review, that means you could do the minimum down payment. There's no restriction as to how much money you have to or are required to put down in order to get the condo. Second option, you have what's called a limited condo approval. And again, so what's what's the difference, right? What's the difference between a full and a limited? Well, a limited condo approval means that the financials are not so good. They're not great. Um, 
And, and that's going to be more in terms of the budget and the balance sheets and how the condo is allocating their funds. Now, if it's not so great, in the state of Florida, just Florida, because, you know, we're special. We're special over here. <laughs> in terms of getting a full or a limited review, it's going to be in how much money you are putting down. So if you are getting a condo and let's say you want to put 5% down and we get the budget and the balance sheet and the financials are not looking so hot for this condo project. Well, in order to negate that and get an approval for a limited condo, well, that means you're going to have to, in the state of Florida, if you are buying a primary home, 25% down automatically right off the bat. And then if you're purchasing a second home or a vacation property or an investment property, 30% down. Yay! And why I say this is Florida specific? Because all other states do not have nearly the same technical requirement. So in all the other states, I want to say, and I could be wrong, so I, I will double check. And if I am wrong, when we do a condo episode, I will correct it for you guys. But I believe to do a limited review in any other state but Florida, I believe it's 10% down for a primary home. I know. It sucks. It's not fair. Ask me why Florida has to be different and weird. I don't know, because Florida is just a different and weird place to be. So that's what I'm sticking to. So if you don't have a lot of money to put down, you're going to want to find a condo that will work for a full review. Now, the third option that you might run into when it comes to condos is let's say, or not just let's say, but there is a chance the condo will not get approved for a full or a limited review. Maybe it just does not meet the conventional guidelines, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. It just doesn't meet them at all. What then? So in that case, that is what we refer to as a non-warrantable condo. I was going to try to make the sound myself, but it's so much better when I do it on the soundboard. So a non-warrantable condo Basically, it just means that you are not going to get conventional financing for it, so you have to seek other alternatives, whether that is uh, cash. You know, in a non-warrantable condo, you can use cash. Now, there are loan types out there, again, kind of in the what I call non-qualified mortgage, the in-between world between hard money and your government-backed mortgages. A lot of those types of loans will do non-warrantable condos. Now, again, kind of the trade-off to doing that type of loan is that you are going to have higher interest rates and higher fees and usually larger down payment requirements. Not always, but that's typically the case. So think about that if you are wanting to purchase a condo that may not get conventional financing approval. So those are the different outcomes really when it comes to condos. So as you can see, compared to single family homes that we just talked about, there is so much more that goes into 
condos. Uh, you know, so just keep that in mind if you are looking to purchase a condo. You know, you do want your credit score a little bit higher usually for conventional. If it's not there yet, you know, a good place to start is working on building that credit up first. Next, we're going to go into multifamily homes. <laughs> multifamily homes are going to be your duplexes, triplexes, and quadplexes. Anything above four units becomes uh, commercial. So it's not in the realm of residential anymore once you get above four units. Now, multifamily homes, nice part again is these actually are also considered single-family homes but they have multiple dwelling units within the same structure. Now, these ones, again, work for all property types, conventional, VA, FHA. Keep in mind, if you're doing an FHA or VA loan, those are primary home only. So you can purchase a multi-unit home, but you do have to live and occupy in one of the units as your primary home. This could be a really, really great investment strategy for people, though, just starting off. So conventional loans, if you're getting a multifamily home, even if it's your primary home, as soon as you go above a one unit, you, wow, one unit, <laughs> and get into two, three, four unit homes, your minimum down payment is going to jump up pretty significantly for a conventional loan. Now, for an FHA loan, this I had one client do this once, and I think she's just awesome for it. But, so FHA, you can purchase a multifamily home, live in one of the units, rent out the others, and it's only 3.5% down. It's awesome. So... I had this uh, wonderful, wonderful client over on the west coast of Florida, and she actually purchased a beautiful triplex close to the beach, had a gorgeous pool, and she did an FHA loan. She took one side or one unit and was living in the one unit and rented, I think she Airbnb'd out the other units. So she's pretty much living rent-free, uh, rent-free, mortgage-free. She's basically living for free, because she has other people paying her mortgage. And she got this beautiful new home close to the beach with a nice pool. So that's a really great option for people who are looking for a primary home and maybe wanting to have some investments at the same time. These property types are also going to be very investor heavy. So we do typically see a lot of conventional investment loans for multifamily homes. Again, doesn't have to be. You can definitely live in it as your primary home, but that typically tends to be what we see. And to end or go over the last property type with you guys today, save the, uh, I don't want to say worst because it's not worse. It's just hard. Save the hardest for last. Manufactured homes. Oh, yeah, we need we need one of these. Mm -hmm. Yeah, scary. <laughs> Anytime someone says manufactured home, I'm like, oh, my gosh. We can do them. We can do them. No problem. They're just 
there's always, always extra things when it comes to manufactured homes. Now, manufactured homes, again, not like condos, you can do all the different property types. In fact, I'm working on a VA manufactured home for one of my clients right now. And I will just say, oh, all the inspections and everything we have to do for it because it's a manufactured home, in my opinion, that's what just makes it tougher. Now, also, manufactured homes are considered one of the most risky types of properties, so they can be very difficult to finance. And because they're riskier, the pricing hits for the interest rates tend to be fairly high. Again, not always the case, but the majority of the case, there will be some pricing hits for a manufactured home. Again, though, all loan types... Now, there are extra restrictions when it comes to manufactured homes. Not totally across the board, but in general speaking, usually you cannot get a manufactured home unless it's a double wide. Some cases you can do single, but usually double wide. Now, that manufactured home, you do also have to own the land that the home sits on. So a lot of these manufactured parks, you don't own the land. It's a land rent or lot rent. You cannot get a mortgage for those types of manufactured homes. It's totally different financing. So you have to own the land that the manufactured home sits on, one. And then the manufactured home also has to be permanently affixed to the land or to like a foundation. And oftentimes, you are going to be required to get maybe engineering certifications, like this, this one I'm working on right now for someone. The VA requires us to have an en- structural engineer has to come out to the property and inspect it and tell us, yes, that this home is affixed to the, to the property and it hasn't been moved since it's been here. That is, let me just tell you, very doable, but a a little bit of a headache on top of the water quality test, the septic inspections, the general home inspections, all of the above. You know, and in this case, too, this particular property, if, if anyone's seen the news here in Florida this past fall, we had Hurricane Ian come through huge hurricane, lots of destruction. And like in in this case, this particular manufactured home was also impacted by the hurricane. Now that's part of the reason why manufactured homes do tend to be classified as a little bit riskier, why you do have so many more inspections and why you do have so many more restrictions on them is because they're just they're usually not as sturdy as a single-family home. So when things like hurricanes or other natural disasters or storms come through, the property is at a little bit higher of a risk of being damaged or destroyed versus if it's a condo or a single-family home. This is why you have some of those extra costs. And when I say extra restrictions, too, you know, not only restrictions for the particular um, type of manufactured home you can get, 
But there's also restrictions oftentimes for the loan. Not always the case, but a lot of times you might have credit score restrictions. You might have debt to income ratio restrictions where, you know, you have to have a higher score and a lower debt to income ratio in order to get the manufactured home. Again, not always the case, but oftentimes that is what you might run into. Now, those are the breakdowns of all the other, or all the other, all the property types and kind of what the financing looks like for those. You know, and at the end of the day, I'm here to help you with whatever property type financing is going to suit you, right? Like I have my own personal preferences and I like this over that, but I'm not the one purchasing the home. You are. And the type of property you're getting is going to be very conducive to the lifestyle you want to live, right? Like with condos, one of the nice things about a condo is that you don't have all the yard work and all the maintenance that you do with a single family home. And so things like that are maybe you, you really like the community living and you like sharing walls and being close to your neighbors and you like that feeling maybe it feels a little bit safer whatever it may be manufactured homes I tend to see those in line with lots of land so if I have a client and they want to just they love land and they want a ton of it and they don't want a big fancy home they just want a nice little piece of property on their land and a manufactured home is a great option as well. That's what I'm here for. Uh, as a loan officer, whether it's me or you're working with another lender, you know, your lender should be working with you to get you approved for the type of property you're wanting and looking for. And so they should have a good understanding of how financing and lending changes and varies depending on the type of property you're looking for so that way they can best help guide you you know ultimately to what your goals are and that's today's episode in a wrap and I hope you guys enjoyed it I know this one was probably a little more educational than some of the other ones but nonetheless the educational pieces are still really great to know uh, they're vital information for you guys. And as always, you can find me on all the platforms. So TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Instagram, all of the above, Lending with Leah. So reach out, follow me. And again, if you have any questions or you want to run a specific scenario by me, all my contact information is on my social media. Have a great day, you guys, and thanks for tuning in to episode 11.